Hello, I'm Pete Raby, and you are listening to the Leadership Learns podcast. Today, I'm joined by Shelley Zalis, the CEO of The Female Quotient, who provides solutions for organizations committed to closing the gender gap in the workplace. Zalis is also a Forbes columnist and today works with Fortune 500 companies and conscious leaders to advance equality in the workplace. Welcome, Shelley. Been looking forward to the conversation enormously. I'd be really, really interested to hear about the journey that's led you to building the female quotient and really how you identified the purpose that drives your company. Well, first of all, thrilled to be here with you, Pete. Uh, listen, my journey is so not textbooky. It is uh, very zigzag and uh, not normal. So um, I am the CEO of the Female Quotient, otherwise known as Chief Troublemaker, uh, well known to break all the rules that make no sense and create new ones. So, you know, everything that I have done has been by accident, very unintentional. I'm an unintentional CEO. Uh, the Female Quotient was started Really, I came from the business of market research and ended up in the business of equality. Have you ever taken a survey on the internet, an online survey? Probably from time to time, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. So I'm the mother of that invention. So that's what my business was. I pioneered online research. Sorry, not sorry. And then uh, I was the only female CEO top 25 my entire career and only and lonely and then uh, sold my company and then decided it was time to give back with generosity what I wish I had rising the ranks and started the female quotient. And it started as the girls lounge. If there's a boys club, the opposite of boy is girl. The opposite of club is lounge. If there's a boys club, there should be a girls lounge. And I started these pop-up spaces at industry conferences that were predominantly filled with men. And um, I wanted to go to CES about eight years ago which was um, Consumer Electronics Show. It was in Vegas, 150,000 people, less than 3% were women. And I want to create a safe space for women to get together. I really, I'm 61 years old. When I was rising the ranks, I was always surrounded by men at these big conferences. And, you know, it's, it's kind of lonely walking floors of technology shows with no one like you. And so I created this space at this conference. I invited a few women to go with me and walk the floor at this technology show. And I said, if you know other women, please invite them. And 24 hours later, 50 women showed up. And two remarkable things happened. One, every single guy's head turned, like where the heck did all of you women come from? And that's when I coined the phrase, power the pack. A woman alone has power. Collectively, we have impact. It was this whoosh moment, like every single guy's head turned, like where the heck did all you women come from? And the second thing was I was surrounded by women just like me. We talked about imposter syndrome, work-life balance, you know, how do you do it all? And we all had power of the purse. We were doing deals with one another. And in my day and age, it was, you know, we all like put our heels in each other's head, pushing each other down because it was such a scarcity of jobs at the top. And all of a sudden, we were all s supporting each other. And it was a remarkable feeling. And 50 women turned into 100, turned into 350. And, and today... We are a million women across a hundred countries supporting one another across every industry. Women in marketing, media, technology, advertising, research, cybersecurity. And then, you know, the girls lounge became a thing and we created these safe spaces for women to support other women. And it was really quite 
remarkable and rare. And now it's the new norm. And then the girls lounge, once women started supporting other women, I evolved to equality lounge, the place for conscious leaders and having conversations around how we could change the equation and close the gender gap in Fortune 500. And then we got invited to the World Economic Forum, world leaders. And my invitation there was, we want you to come, but you might not feel welcome. Your head says, who wants to go to a place you might not feel welcome? My heart said, I must go. And I created an unbadged space. And in Davos, you need to have a white badge to attend Congress. And so by creating an unbadged space, it was a space designed by women for everyone, a place where everyone belongs, everyone feels welcome. And, you know, several years later, I mean, Davos is now flooded with women where we all feel comfortable, we all feel welcome, we all feel like we belong. And it's now the new normal. And so several years later, you know, the Equality Lounge is part of the female quotient where we create safe spaces, lounges, but we also have the largest global community of women in the workplace supporting one another. We create content. You know, we have a huge audience. And we also now are in the business of equality, helping Fortune 500 leaders close the gender gap and make a difference in the world. It's a really incredible set of <laughs> set of events and experiences you've been through, Shelley. But like one of the things, before I delve into some of those bits, people that have created and sold successful businesses, lots of them go again. What had been the experiences that you'd had that made you go, this is such an area that I cannot not do? You know, the World Economic Forum published a report that said it'll take another 132 years to close the gender gap. 132 years. Where will you be in 132 years? Like, think about that. That is just, if you actually think about that, that is the most unexpected, we'll, we'll all be dead. And I just don't even understand that. Like, why the gender gap? It's not something that is like climate or cleaning the ocean, or it is a mindset gap. It is, we have the data. We understand, we we know that women are getting paid on average 80 cents on the dollar and black women 64 cents on the dollar and Latina women 53 cents on the dollar. We know that women are not being put in leadership positions and we know why. We know that black women and brown women are not being put on boards. And we know why. And when you actually look at facts, we know the internet was created in 25 years. We know that we put men on the moon in 10 years. We could have put women on the moon if we had spacesuits for them, even though now we've gotten that. We know that we created a vaccine in one year. We created chat GPT in two weeks. Why will it take 132 years to figure out how to cut a check for Sally to equal the same for Peter? Why will it take 132 years to figure out how to put women in leadership positions? Like it makes no sense. I was at a, an industry event just a month ago and they brought up some really interesting data that showed actually in small and medium-sized businesses, the percentage of female board members is way higher than it is on Fortune 500 and big business. There is, without a doubt, way more equality at a small and medium level from the data that I saw compared to big business, compared to the boards that make that up. One, I'd love to get your thoughts as to, from the data you've seen, do you agree? Secondly, why is that the case? And thirdly, if this is a big business problem, (laughs) how's the solving of that gone about? Well, first of all, it's all about choice and conscious leadership. And 
legacy. When you look at these big Fortune 500 companies, it's because the legacy leadership, it's that's the way it was. And tenure, they don't change people out. And when you have these new smaller companies, they are starting with an equality mindset. And so they are just choosing to put diversity in place. And so diversity leads to diversity leads to diversity. And so they're making the right choices. And they know that diversity is good for business, right? It's not nice to have, it's a need to have because it is actually good for business. But when you have legacy leadership that just keeps replacing with what they have, then that's what happens. And, you know, in different parts of the country, you know, we are enforcing policy that dictates certain levels of diversity, which is ensuring that we do have quota, which does put the right levels in place. And it does work because we do know that it's it's good for business. But legacy, unfortunately, in big Fortune 500 companies is ensuring that status quo stays. And, you know, what drives me absolutely nuts is when people say, oh, it's unconscious bias. If you use the word unconscious, you're conscious. Once you're conscious, you have a choice. Do you do something or not? And most of these big companies are just sticking with what was. Are they fearing change, Shelley? Is this what it is? Is it, is it a fear of change? In my opinion, it is just I will, I will say it is fear of change and it is stoic. It's just, this is how it's been. This is how it is. This is where it's going to be. And that the leadership is still in place and nothing has been taken out. You know, change is scary because change also means failure. You could potentially fail. Change could lead to failure. And people want to stick with what they know. You know, one of the things that well, I do all the time and someone, you know, had told me that one of the things that we do is we are the unexpected, you know, and the unexpected creates the new expected. You know, there are two types of people, people that could see what they see, which is traditional Fortune 500 companies. And then there are the new companies that have no, that don't have history. So they could come in and create the new right? You try new things. And it's people that could see what they don't see and create that new, right? And you take risk, no risk, no reward. You got to try new things. And that's what we're doing with this new initiative that I've created, which is called the flipping point. We are at this very important moment in time where we have to push the envelope. You can't just follow status quo. Status quo is just going to repeat the past. What we know, it is time to break some rules and create new ones. We need an equal, a new equality handbook. The rules of the workplace were written over a hundred years ago by men for men, and it's not that it was wrong. It's just it was fine for then, but it's not okay for now. It's time to write some new some new rules. So the creation of the flipping point, just maybe give a bit of a summary in relation to the flipping point, how it came about, why is the time now, and what's the purpose of that initiative. You know, well, the tipping point, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, you wait and watch. It's it's a natural erosion. The flipping point, which we just launched in Davos in, in 2023, is we are looking for 10 Fortune 500 CEOs with a moonshot mindset. Bold, brave. I don't care if you're a man. I don't care if you're a woman. 
If you are a conscious leader ready to take a chance, we took 10 modules of the workplace that need to be rewritten. And we've challenged the world that we can close the gender gap in Fortune 500 in five years, not 132. And it'll be a CEO accelerator where we are going to, you know, rethink, reimagine the workplace today. It's the perfect opportunity. We just came out of COVID with flexibility and hybrid work and a new sponsorship model, a new care model, a pay, a new pay model, closing the skill gap. You know, we're back to office, a new office design model, not cubicles, but open architecture. You know, you're coming from home. You don't want to go back to a cubicle. You want to come into, you know, a whole new way of thinking. This is a new opportunity. Let's take advantage of it and work together and see what we can come up with. This is like a land of opportunity and reimagination. And so this is the new challenge, you know, and we we think we can do it if we, we work together. And uh, so this is what we're looking for, 10 CEOs that are willing to take this risk, no risk, no reward, and fail together, but also win together and write this new equality playbook. And that's what the flipping point is. We are at this perfect moment of time. And the power of the collective is the power of the momentum. You know, we are at this perfect inflection, inflection point where we can work together to create change. I think there'll be a lot of people absolutely wanting to go on that journey, but no doubt since the creation of the female quotient almost eight years ago, Shelley, like you've you've worked with some businesses that you've gone in and change hasn't really happened to the effect that it could have done. And you've seen some that have absolutely nailed what changes look like, have owned it and have, have really delivered and executed properly. What has been the difference between those two examples? Oh, well, first of all, we have the largest global community of women in the workplace working together, sharing together, and it's been truly a remarkable experience. And there's nothing more powerful than feeling the energy and the momentum and the the freshness of support of women supporting one another. So that's been incredible. You get a hug, a hello, and a yes, and just, you know, anywhere in the world, say you're part of the FQ pack and it's, it's quite remarkable. So that's, that's phenomenal. Also the collaboration, the power of collaboration of fortune 500 companies, you know, coming together and sharing the good, bad, and the ugly, what's working, what's not that accelerates change in an exponential way. It's this force of energy where we all come together in, in a shared safe space, just letting your guard down and being unscripted like we are here, just talking about, you know, everything, you know, we've all gone through a lot in the last couple of years. This is a perfect time to just share, you know, there's no secrets, transparency, authenticity. Like what is the issue here? We all want to move forward and there's no point in recreating the wheel. Like talk about what's working, talk about what's not, and let's move it forward. This is for, you know, every generation. This is the first time in history we have five generations in the workplace, you know, and flexibility is our best friend. We have this moment to rewrite the rules of the workplace. Let's go, you know, and make it better for everybody. This is, you have one life to live. Like, let's, let's enjoy it. You know, I was listening to a podcast recently. It talked about, it asked a question, who's interested in taking the next step? who's obsessed with taking the next step. 
and the fact that interested people of doing stuff watch the obsessed people change the world. <laughs> it, like I, one of the questions I was looking forward to asking you is like of what it is that keeps you going, keeps you motivated to keep doing what you're doing. But I think you might have answered that during this conversation in relation to that 132 years, how much can that be brought down, right? Like it seems like a crazy number. It's such a balance of getting the frustration that something isn't being done right and channeling that into actual action that gets results. Um, how do you ensure that that sanity from all that inequality that you see in all those areas that you described earlier, how do you make sure that it's got the right balance? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't fall foul. You know, I always say when you love what you do, it's called passion. When you don't, it's called stress. And I love what I do. I always have. You know, this is legacy for me. And I'm so committed to this. And I've never felt more energized, more hopeful, more passionate about this. And I'm surrounded by the most conscious leaders, men and women. And I know that we will achieve success. There is no reason why not. To me, it's why yes. And, you know, I always say when purpose meets passion, you're unstoppable. We are collectively unstoppable. And we are already, you know, every step forward is progress. And, you know, we're having a lot of fun too. You know, I, I am meeting the most incredible people along the way. And I work at 100 countries. And, you know, I jump on and off airplanes as if it's it's nothing. I, I know when flight attendants get their hair cut. And, you know, I, I'm just so incredibly inspired. And I work with my daughter. And, you know, that's just incredible. And so, you know, I just look for the yeses. I don't look for no's. I look for yes. And there's always a yes. You just got to find the solution. We've got a really senior listener base, Shelley, and I, you speak with such passion, such energy on it. I know that there'll be some listening that will go, yep, I want to get serious about this. I want to do more. I want to be able to impact the place that I work. I guess for growing a business as we have done, you just try and grow. You try and bring enough revenue in to be able to grow. Then you keep going and growing and growing. And nicely, hopefully, for a lot of people, you get to a point where you go, right, how have we grown? You kind of stop. You start analyzing. You go, okay, hold up. <laughs> Especially if, like us, you started a business in your late 20s where you didn't know a lot and you've realized that there was an awful lot you didn't know, you'd have done things very differently had you started all over again. But the reality is you want to make a change, you want to make a change now. Where's their starting point? How do they kick off? How can people ask themselves the right questions to get started in the right way? There are such simple things to do. And I'll give you some simple things. Like ask yourself some basic questions. You know, like number one, would you want your kids to work in this company? And here's simple fixes. If you are the CEO of your company, ask yourself the following questions. Number one, most companies do exit interviews. Exit interviews, your employees are gone, okay? So stay in touch with your current employees. Your people are your most valuable assets. So pay attention to your people and talk to them all the time. As a CEO, know your people. Don't depend on other people in your company to talk to your people because telephone tag is never going to tell you the truth. Okay. Be directly connected to your people. For example, sponsorships, people talk about sponsorships. Ugh, that doesn't work. Those are full of biases because as people pull up the people that look like them, talk like them, sound like them, da, 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 da. And that is true. We're working on a whole new thing called proximity ship. So for all your senior leaders, put three hours a month on a calendar in 30 minute increments. And instead of senior leaders pulling up who they want to see, have your tier underneath, be able to pull 
who they want to see them. So flip it. You get that one, right? Yeah. yeah. So tear underneath, let them pull who is above them, who they want to see them. So that'll take the bias out. It is so simple. It's just a calendar that will remove the bias. That's the simplest new policy. Caregiving. Caregiving is a big issue. Women in middle management are leaving because of caregiving, because unfortunately, caregiving is still predominantly a female issue. So number one, for everybody listening, share responsibility at home. Younger generation is doing that, especially with flexibility and hybrid work and all that kind of stuff. That goes a long way. But in the workplace, everyone has benefits. They offer their employees. Think about how much money you want to allocate towards benefits. Have a benefit wallet, for example, and give all your employees a benefit wallet. Let them use that money as they wish. If they want to put it towards a nanny, which is so expensive, that will help a long way for a lot of people that can't afford that a game changer or use the money towards taking care of a pet or taking care of an elderly parent or for yourself, for health and wellness or whatever you want. Good idea. Or share a nanny. Let your HR department announce when employees have babies in your neighborhood. You could share a nanny. Nanny exchange. Simple little solutions that no one has thought about that could go such a long way to helping in that regard. Here's a simple one. I don't care if you're a man or a woman, if you lead a meeting, start your meeting with what you're all going to do. So you stop hiding. We all are vulnerable. We all have things. Women are so afraid to say, I'm taking my kid to the doctor or to the soccer game. By the way, men, take your kids to the doctor, to the soccer game. Start your meeting. I'm taking my kid today to the soccer game, to the doctor, or I'm going to play golf, or I'm going to play my video game, or I'm going to the gym. And go around the room and talk about what you're doing so that nobody feels like they have to hide and everyone has a life. Live your life. I'm going on a date. Why do you have to wait until you're 60 years old to go on a date? Everyone has a life. Start talking about it so that nobody is hiding anything. Share. Because I guarantee you, it's not just women that are going to take their kids to something. You men are doing things too. So share. And then this one is really bugging me because imposter syndrome, men and women have imposter syndrome. Men just ignore the voice in their head. Women let it get louder. You know where imposter syndrome is coming from? And I just understood this recently. Why is it that we feel we need to fix the women? Women are not broken. But all these companies are like, oh, women need leadership training. If we think women need leadership training, then men need it too. Stop trying to fix the women. That's why there's imposter syndrome. We we are making women think they need to be fixed. If you think women need to be fixed, then fix the men too, or don't fix anybody because women don't need to be fixed. And the issue is people don't leave companies, they leave managers. We do not train managers and managers need training. This is the biggest issue. We are ignoring sometimes really bad managers. And you know we need to listen because Most managers tend to be men that are just not doing a great job managing. And there is some real issues around that. And women are afraid to report bad behavior because, you know, they get dinged. And when there is bad behavior, nothing is done because sometimes these managers are good performers. And I just read something the other day, and this was really crazy because really good salespeople could be terrible managers, but they present themselves very well to their leadership. And so they say, oh no, they're very 
good at what they do. They're good at being duplicitous that way. You know, so we we need to be in touch with what is going on so that we are creating a culture of belonging and safety and security and ensuring that everyone can thrive in the workplace. So we need to be in touch with what is happening inside of our companies so that everyone feels safe and secure, especially as we come back to office. So there's so many little things that we can do to make the workplace equal, safe, secure, that everyone can thrive and make sure that we don't just make things the exception and not the new norm for everyone. Because once we make things the exception, women will take it, then they will be left out and that becomes ridden with bias again and problems. I ask everyone um, at the end of a conversation, Shelley, about if there's been a best book, podcast or movie that, that you'd recommend that you've taken some long lasting learns from. Are there one or two kind of key literature or texts or podcasts that you're like, you know, that is a that is a great place to expand knowledge in this area about? You know, I am a, a bits and bites of everything. You know, I get bits and bites of advice from so many podcasts, from so many TED Talks, from so many. I'm obsessed with LinkedIn right now. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I live on airplanes and so I watch so many TV shows and I'm a Netflix junkie. And so I can't pinpoint one. I'm a speed reader and I don't read anything thoroughly. I read everything a little. So I'm going to say everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm so curious and yeah. and I talk to so many people and I interview so many people and we have so many lounges and so I'm going to say everyone. Other than, of course, following the female quotient, which we'll certainly be doing with a close eye after this conversation, Shelley, is there a female business leader out there that people may not know of that we should be following through and uh, that you've been really impressed by the work that they've been doing that you want to you want to make reference to? No, listen, we make the invisible visible and actually if you go To the female quotient, we have thousands of female experts in every category that we showcase. So we are the network of networks of women in every category that give um, bits and bites of advice across every industry. So I have to actually say follow the female quotient because we actually showcase women across every category. Um, And if there's one learn you'd want our listeners to take away today, Shelley, what would that be? You know, Oscar Wilde says, be yourself because everyone else is taken. So, you know, own your voice. And um, I think that that's really, really important. And Sarah Jessica Parker says, trying to be a man is a waste of a woman. And I, I think that's really important too. And we always think that empathy and compassion and passion are, you know, we, we say those are soft skills. And I'm actually, language matters a lot to me. I'm using a whole new word, you know, soft skills to me sounds weak. I'm calling them essential skills and critical skills. And to me, they are the most powerful skills that any leader can possess today. So bring your compassion, your human warmth to the boardroom because it is what, to me, defines the greatest leaders today. I couldn't agree more when it comes to the soft skill, Shelley. I think that's one of the things that needs rebranding immediately because you might have all the brains in the world if you can't deal with human beings and deal so in the right way, you're always going to be extremely limited. So soft needs to be rebranded immediately. Thank you so much for joining us today, Shelley. Um, So many great learns for listeners to take away. Thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please give a five-star rating and share with others in your network. Thank you so much. This was wonderful.